This is Client Side from Fox Agency. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about! Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. Laura Brooks is the PR manager for Tessian, a technology company that protects businesses from insider and external threats on email like data exfiltration and spear phishing. She is an experienced PR professional specializing in B2B and technology, skilled in strategic planning, content creation, media relations and account management. She graduated with a first class honors degree in English language and media, culture and society from the University of Birmingham. Laura Brooks, welcome to ClientSide. Thank you very much. I'm very pleased to be here. You, you've got a really interesting history and, and background. You graduated with a first class honours degree from Birmingham University in English language, media, culture and society. It's a bit of a mouthful. In 2012. <laughs> Did you always see yourself having a, a career in PR from the beginning? Um, not really. I, I sort of always really liked um, English at school um, and I liked writing. So I always thought I'd um, get into journalism when I finished my degree. Um, I'd done some work experience on um, radio station, for example, and I really enjoyed that. Um, but after sort of graduating, um, I didn't really have any opportunities to get any internships or work experience in that space. So um, and I was obviously eager to uh, start earning a salary right away mm. and move up to London. So um, with a bit of luck, um, a family friend said he was looking for um a communications coordinator to support his comms team at this company called Talis, which I didn't really realize at the time was is was and is one of the biggest tech and defense companies in the world. Hmm. So um, so I actually got my first taste of working in comms there. Um, so the first few months I was supporting internal comms and, you know, our social media channels. Um, and then the role sort of progressed to supporting our external messaging activity and brand awareness campaigns, which I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, it was a really great platform to start like a comms career in. Um, and it sort of, sort of went from there. Hmm. You, you joined Hotwire PR in 2014. What did you learn about the world of PR from, from that experience? <laughs> uh, yeah, so a lot. I, I joined Hotwire with zero PR experience. Hmm. Um, so it was a huge learning curve um, and pretty much learned all the foundational skills of, of a PR professional during those years at Hotwire. Um I remember sort of, I think it was, must have been the first week I was being asked to write bylines and I had absolutely no idea what a byline was. <laughs> and I had to ask one of our like senior account managers and the team mm. to explain what on earth I'm being asked to do. Mm-hmm. So, um, but from then, once I knew it was a, just an opinion article, you know, mm. problem solved and <laughs> writing them since then. Um, so I started as a senior account executive at Hotwire um, and then progressed up to senior account manager. So I basically got to experience everything from you know, pitching to campaign creation to then being more of a sort of strategic planner um, during that time. Uh, so that was really, really good. Um, I was also fortunate to join the B2B tech team at Hotwire around hmm. the same time that Hotwire's new um, cohort of grads had joined. Right. Um, so I was very fortunate in the fact that, we're, you know, the team that we were in were led by amazing people who really put the time in to train us, teach us the skills to I guess like communicate, build relationships with clients mm-hmm. and also how to like manage difficult situations. Um, I think once you've learned how to deal with difficult clients that are shouting at you or advising <laughs> or you want to advise them that an approach they've suggested isn't quite right, mm. uh, the quite right, right way to go about things, mm. you know, those, that sort of skills are invaluable to learn um, throughout your career. Um, 
whether you're watching senior people do it brilliantly or you're experiencing it for yourself. Mm. Um, and also the B2B team had some incredibly creative people. So we'd regularly have brainstorms to come up with new pitch ideas or campaign ideas that we wanted to wow our clients with. Mm-hmm. So that obviously taught me how to think creatively, um, how to keep clients happy. Um, and I guess at Hotwire, I also got to learn the world of journalism um, and their relationships with PRs. So I was terrified and hated cold calling in the first <laughs> few months Um but after a few months of doing it, building up confidence, pitching to really uh, to journalists, um, you start building those relationships um, with journalists, and you know those are relationships I still have today. Sure. So yeah, super interesting. Fast forward a few years, and you joined uh, Flagship Consulting in 2017. There were a smaller communications consultancy specialising in financial services, professional services, and travel sectors. Mm. What did you take away from that experience? Yeah, so um, Flagship was a lot smaller than than uh, Hotwire. So um, I came in as an account director and joined as quite a senior member of the agency. Mm-hmm. So suddenly my responsibilities were around winning more new business for the agency, um, and as well as running the accounts and making sure my team were okay. Um, but also as a more senior member of the agency, um, I got to learn more about like the financials of running an agency. Mm-hmm. So like budgeting and forecasting, for example, um, and I also took on more responsibilities of managing more junior members just to help them progress their careers, which um, which I really enjoyed. Um, one thing I particularly took from that experience at Flagship is um, the senior team, the sort of MD there, um, was very passionate about understanding um, people's personality types to sort of set up teams to understand like what motivates each person, mm-hmm. um, what their strengths are, what their stresses are, for example. Mm-hmm. So it's really interesting to not only understand how you personally like to work, but also how your team members work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and these are like observations that I apply in my role now because I think it's so important. Let's talk a little bit about Tessian. You, you joined the company in February 2019. Uh, the company is a technology organization that protects businesses from insider and external threats on email like data exfiltration and spear phishing that prompts the question what is data exfiltration <laughs> and spear phishing yeah absolutely i mean i never thought i'd end up in the world of cybersecurity when i was studying <laughs> at birmingham and now i'm talking about data exfiltration and spear phishing but um so very simply, uh, data exfiltration is when someone takes company data from an organization, whether that's maliciously or otherwise. So, for example, people might take data from a company when they leave. For example, we see that happens quite a lot. Um, and one trend we're seeing at the moment during lockdown is that more people are sending documents to like personal computers at home so they can print it off, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. So while it's well-intentioned, um, you know, data is still being taken from an organization and that puts it at risk. So that's something we protect against. Um, and spear phishing is, again, simply a, a targeted email attack designed to get people to carry out a request by a malicious actor. So whether that's wiring money to a fraudulent account or clicking on a link that could then download malware onto your device or mm-hmm. sharing sensitive data. So, I mean, you've probably seen in the news, this is everywhere, like mm-hmm. especially during COVID, um, these attacks are just becoming more and more targeted. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but as opposed to phishing, spear phishing is very personalized. So it's really hard to spot that you're being targeted because they usually impersonate positions of authority or trust and they mm. tailor their messages to make them as believable as possible mm. so that you'll carry out their request. So at the moment, a lot of that is going on uh, with COVID 
19, uh, a lot of small businesses are getting emails from supposedly HMRC asking them to reply with their account details and sort code. Is that the sort of thing that you're talking about? And how does Tessian protect or help their customers? Yeah, I mean, the problem with emails from HMRC is something we're definitely seeing. And, and in the US as well, we're seeing a lot of um, scams around uh, the payment uh, schemes that the government has put in place there as well with hackers impersonating um, uh, s- small business um, authorities and um, HMRC, for example. Um, the problem is, you know, people, small businesses, for example, really want to find out information and get guidance mm. from these authoritative voices, um, which is perfect for a hacker because they can just impersonate and um, try and get this information from them. So what Tessian does is uh, we look at um, historical email um, data using machine learning. So we understand trends of um, each individual person um, and their behaviors on email so that we can then determine like what looks normal. And then if something doesn't look quite right, we can alert the user that, hey, this email doesn't look quite right. You don't normally receive emails from this particular um, hmm. address, so please just approach with caution. Okay, um, it may be a threat. Hmm. Super interesting. And so could you give us an idea as to what the company looks like today? Uh, size, clients, regions, uh, an overview of, of Tessian would be great. Yeah, definitely. So um, so the company was founded in 2013 um, with, by three co-founders. And since then, we've raised about 60 million from hmm. um, investors like Sequoia and Excel, which is really amazing. Sure. Um, and we have around 140 employees in our San Francisco and London offices. Mm-hmm. Um, our customer base tends to operate in um, financial services, legal, tech and healthcare, because as you can imagine, they've got um, very sensitive data that they need to mm-hmm. protect, especially with customers and clients that they mm-hmm. work with. Mm-hmm. Um but basically any organization that has employees on email, as you can imagine, everyone does. Um, <laughs> we we protect them from making these like costly cybersecurity mistakes that they could make on email. Hmm, really interesting. And and what are the biggest business issues that you're that you're facing right now as an organization? I assume a lot of that would have to be doing dealing with the COVID-19 situation mm-hmm. and the influx of customers that are being affected uh, from by scammers, but talk a little bit about some of the biggest business issues you're facing now and how, how are you overcoming them? Yeah, I mean, we can't really avoid talking about COVID-19, <laughs> can we? I think it's the, the biggest business challenge for all companies sure. at the moment. Um, I guess from a PR marketing perspective at Tessian, uh, you know, all our cha- all our plans had to change as a result of what happened. You know, our all our events were cancelled. Um, move to a digital platform so you suddenly have to pivot and change your strategy Hmm. very quickly Um, and then we also had to completely um, change and come up with newsworthy stories that help explain the risks associated with remote working and COVID-19 phishing scams as this was all journalists were and still are talking about Um, but then you've also got to balance that with the danger of looking like an ambulance chaser which Hmm. was something that I was really conscious about um, because you've got to get that balance right and understand that our target audience is also worried and stressed about the situation. You know, cybersecurity probably isn't at the top of their mind, mm-hmm. or especially wasn't maybe at the beginning of lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So we had to be really mindful that the stories we were telling were useful um, and providing advice and guidance to these people rather than looking, like I said, like an ambulance chaser. Mm. Um, so that's one thing. And then there was the shift to remote working, of course. Like we, Testing has a very good culture of encouraging people to work from home. We've always had that. But, you know, when it comes to every day, <laughs> the, mm. you know, the business has been very conscious about the fact that this will impact people's mental health especially, you know, not being around your colleagues every day, not being able to just go to the kitchen for a quick tea break, mm. you know, with your friends in the office or and you're suddenly having to structure your days differently and find ways to collaborate differently. Um, so our people team has done, you know, a really great job of setting up Zoom sessions where we can have like happy hour or mm. virtual speakers with, you know, suggested topics to discuss and meditation sessions just to keep people motivated and connected. So mm. I think that's been definitely one of the challenges around COVID-19 that we've um, had, sort of had to overcome. Hmm. So how do you strike that balance then between being an, an ambulance chaser and um, really communicating? Because at this point, you, your services and businesses like you have a need to actually communicate to their audience because you provide a very valuable role in their lives and in society. Um, in, on one hand, there are businesses that aren't relevant their products and services aren't relevant at all so they actually shouldn't be communicating with their audience but on one hand there are businesses like yourselves that do provide a a valuable service and you should be communicating or potentially over communicating but I guess the balance is is you don't want to be seen as opportunistic or tone deaf Um, (laughs) how, how do you strike that balance yeah, that's exactly it. And I, we've had a lot of calls and discussions and, you know, within our marketing team about that. Um, like you say, we are in a position where actually the services that we can provide and the intelligence that we can provide about what's happening, um, not just from the phishing side, but also from employee behavior when working from home as well on email. Um, we have that valuable insight that we can actually provide to IT and security teams um, during this time. Um, so I think it is just about being as useful as possible. So providing insight, but then also providing tips and advice and guidance. Um, that was really our angle and also Mm. being empathetic to the fact that, you know what, you, it's going to be tough and you're having to change your entire infrastructure and the way that you work right now, Mm. you know, you're doing a great job at what you're doing. We're just going to help you better secure your organization um, from these threats that we're seeing um, on top of everything else. Hmm. Super interesting. So to talk a little bit about your agency setup, what sort of agencies are you working with at the moment to support you with, in your communications and your strategic efforts when, you, when it comes to communicating with your uh, customers and target audience? Um, and, and how are they helping you sort of navigate these choppy waters that we're all in? Yeah, yeah. so we have a um, PR agency in the US um, who play a, like a critical role in helping us create our brand presence there. Um, we didn't have PR in the US until they came on board uh, at the start of this year. So they've been responsible for making connections, um, telling stories that are going to resonate with the US media. Um and just getting our name out there, really. Um, and with COVID-19, they've been um, played a really critical role in making sure that we get our um, advice about what to do when you receive a COVID phishing um, scam in, in the US media. 
And then we also have a UK agency um, who just help us stay consistently in the tech and business press, just so we can maintain that um, drumbeat of coverage and um, keep those relationships um, with those journalists there. Hmm. Super interesting. Let, let's talk a little bit about choosing and appointing agencies. Um, in, in your opinion, what, what are the most important factors, capabilities or characteristics that you look for when you're hiring a new PR agency or any sort of agency? Mm. I think first things first is always, do they come with a recommendation from mm. someone that I trust or respect? Um, I think that's really important. Mm. Um, another factor is um, knowledge. You know, can they show me that they know and understand my industry? Um, do they know the journalists in this space and what those journalists want to talk about? I think that's really important to show that you have that level of understanding and knowledge. Um, another characteristic I think is really important is um, sort of that honesty and almost consultative um, skill. Mm. You know, tell me how it is, even if it isn't pretty, you know, <laughs> it's sort of like that idea of like, you know, if they turn around and say your company is completely unknown in this space, mm. this is an incredibly noisy space. Mm -hmm. So if you, want to get why we need x for example mm. so um i think that's really important um i think also a clear plan of what the agency is going to do for you and how they're going to do it um i think a lot of agencies create these beautiful pitch decks and presentations with these you know huge ideas mm. but sometimes it can feel a bit smoke and mirrors you know mm. big ideas are great but you know you need to see how they can be realistically pulled off within the budget we have mm. um and sometimes a pres simple presentation might make it a bit easier for me or, you know, the person you're pitching to see exactly what they're going to get. Um, and I think another very important factor is, you know, am I going to enjoy working with these people? Mm. Are they, you know, are they fun? Are, do they have a bit of personality? Um, you know, these people are going to be an extension of your team, which I know is a very cliche thing to say. But mm. it's true when you're the only person in the organization doing PR you rely on these as you're an extension of your team and you've got to make sure you enjoy working with them. Hmm. Hmm, really interesting. And and then just, just related to that, that, I would assume that your agency experience uh, gives you a huge amount of insight when agencies are pitching, when you are looking or evaluating an agency. What, what perspective has that given you in your current role when you were agency side? Yeah, it's... Um, it's definitely interesting being on the other side, I have to admit. Um, <laughs> Some I would say the dark side. The dark side, I know. And then, the other, when you go back the other way, is that also the dark side? Is that side? also I'm not the dark sure. side? Yeah. You can't win. Um, yeah, you can't win. Um, it is interesting. I think, uh, and I, I don't want to be too negative, but you can actually see when the pitches have been very rushed. Mm. Um, I've been in situations in agency where you've got a client, a potential client, and um, you put the pitch deck together very in a very short amount of time because everything else is just piled up on your to-do list mm -hmm. and you have to just get it out to meet the deadline. And I have, uh, yeah, and I have received a couple of, you know, responses to our brief with that. And, you know, they've got typos in them. The ideas mm. aren't related to what um, the company does. And, and you can tell it's been rushed. And having been in that situation, I know exactly what had happened in our our um, brief had obviously just got pushed to the bottom of the to-do list and you know you don't really want to work with an agency that's going to do that you want to feel like you know you're getting value from working with them so um, yeah that's definitely something I've learned from 
having been agency side to then reviewing pitch decks in front mm. of me. Let, let's talk a little bit about successes and, and, and failures and especially about sort of managing pressure, which is uh, a, a topic uh, quite topical at the moment in the midst of this global mm. pandemic that we're all in. How, how do you control your own emotions, um, especially when things aren't going according to plan uh, as it relates to maybe uh, an agency engagement that you're working with? Um, you know, not lashing, lashing out on those people around you, maintaining mm. your poise, uh, because I'm sure your own emotions have been on a roller coaster, as all of us have over the last sort of five or six weeks. Mm. How, how do you how do you uh, maintain your own control of your emotions at this time? Mm. I, I mean, it also depends how, how badly the, the situation has sure. gone. But I think when I actually look back to you know, stressful situations when we were in an office environment. Um, I think the best thing for me to do when I've had like a frustrating meeting or a campaign didn't land the way it was supposed to, or suddenly we have to change our entire, you know, PR strategy because of what's happened externally. Mm. Um, I think the most immediate thing I have to do is get out of that stressful environment. Mm. I have to go for a walk. I have to get some fresh air and just, you know, focus on, um breathing I actually started doing yoga a couple of years ago and I never thought it was really for me mm. um and then but the breathing techniques they teach you honestly do help yeah. you calm down really it's does. incredible mm-hmm. like as soon as you just start breathing in for <laughs> seven and breathing back out it's, yeah you know, suddenly you're so much calmer um, so that is definitely something I've I've learned and over the last year or so um but I also solve problems better when I talk to people about them mm. Uh, so I'll tend to bring one or two of my like closest colleagues together and we'll just brainstorm together how we're going to resolve this problem. Um, you know, whiteboards are usually involved when we used to have them. Now we have to, you know, do it over Zoom. But, you know, we think about how we're going to move forward with plan B and then what the steps are communicating that to the stakeholders and anyone else that needs to be involved in the new plan. So mm. it's almost just like take a moment to breathe, bring in some people that you trust, come up with plan B and then... Um, and then take it from there, really. Um, I mean, I always got told, I this always sticks in my head, I always got told that PR is not ER. So that does kind of help <laughs> put things into perspective, you know. Sure. At the end of the day, plan A didn't go right. Yeah. No one got hurt. So yeah. we're just going to put plan B into place and try and focus our energy on getting that up and running. Mm. Um, I do think it's not always easy, but having like that plan in place and also having outlets I guess for your anger like doing some exercise or speaking to family I think Mm. really helps Mm. super super interesting uh Laura let's get into our our favorite questions now these are our speed round questions so I'll fire (laughs) I'll fire some questions at you and if you can fire some back that that'll be uh greatly appreciated um which CMO in your opinion has the most difficult job in marketing right now I think well I think all CMOs have a really difficult <laughs> job right now uh, you know against this backdrop um sure. I think I read an article in marketing week that showed you know marketing budgets are being scaled back and nearly half of marketers are like are concerned about their job security right now so hmm. I think it's a very difficult time for all marketing teams and CMOs um and I also think you know people's buying habits are changing so the ways we used to reach audiences are, uh, have changed and the content they're consuming is changing so and we've got an uncertain future ahead so how do you pivot quickly and effectively to ensure your brand is still relevant during this shift I think it's a huge you know huge challenge mm. um I think specifically retailers are going to have a really tough time um 
Mm. during and after this um, pandemic's over. Do, do you think when this is over, we will go back to business as usual as it was <laughs> just three or four months ago? <laughs> or will things uh, forever be very different? And we'll look back on this time and really think, oh, um, uh, you know, isn't it amazing what life was like before <laughs> COVID? Yeah, it's so interesting. Like my, my opinion shifts daily on this. I think... I think business won't go back to usual in the sense that I don't think we'll be in an office five days a week. Mm. Um, I really think businesses will be looking at, um, you know, whether that is is a necessary um, thing for employees Mm. to do. Um, I, but then I also think that we will look back on this moment and think, God, how great it was that we weren't so tired and having to commute Mm. every day and Mm. having to do like loads of, meetings having sure. meeting room wars all the time so i i don't know i i like to think that we'll go back to some sort of normality but i also think that it will be very difficult for people now that people have had a taste of what it's like to work remotely that mm. it'll be hard to go back hmm. what do you love most about working with agencies and what do you dislike i don't want to say hate hate's a strong word <laughs> but what do you dislike about working with agencies um so the thing I love about working so as I mentioned I'm the only PR person in our company um so I love working with other PR professionals in agencies because it gives me a chance to brainstorm and come up with ideas with them um with people that understand PR if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um it can feel you know like you're the only person that really gets it sometimes so um having people to bounce ideas off or even challenge your ideas as well and say hey Laura I'm not actually sure that is quite the right way to do it and you're like okay good I've you know got someone keeping me in check as well Mm. the thing that annoys me um about working with agencies is you it's a lot of you're giving a lot of budget to these agencies and as a result your function is very visible in um internally Mm. so you're constantly having to prove ROI um internally which can sometimes be quite difficult especially if you know there's a reason why you're not getting the coverage because if you think about it internally they're just seeing the numbers Mm. they aren't seeing all the other effort that your agency is putting in place so it's having to sort of balance agency your role and internal stakeholders I think that's a really frustrating can be quite frustrating sometimes what excites you most about your current role and position um I think that particularly in this role um it excites me that I'm working for a startup that has the potential to grow into a company that everyone knows about and uses and I think PR is just going to play a huge role in that super exciting uh if you weren't doing your current role uh, only you weren't didn't have a career in b2b marketing what would you be doing um do you know I'd love to go back and try the journalism thing out I think Mm. I'd really enjoy that um just writing stories and 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 speaking to people i just find people fascinating so writing up their stories would would be cool Hmm. and if you could live anywhere in the world (laughs) probably (laughs) really relevant right now where would it be and why um anywhere hot with a beach (laughs) would be great um take me with you (laughs) yeah i know um i visited lisbon a few years ago and Mm. i think you know that would be perfect for me like it's hot the food's amazing you're mm. close to the beach and there's a big tech scene there as well so mm. that'd be cool I just have to brush up on my Portuguese I think <laughs> sure <laughs> and my final question Laura what's the single biggest thing that you've yet to achieve that you'd like to achieve in your career 
Um, I think I'd like to achieve something that actually goes viral. I've mm. never quite managed that. So I think mm. it was quite difficult in B2B marketing, but that would be quite cool to um, have my name attached to something like that. Definitely. It's quite a challenge there. Yeah. But, uh, how, how viral are we talking? Are we talking Kylie Jenner viral or sort of, oh. uh, uh, you know, hundreds of millions? Or are we talking sort of two, two or three million? Because I've, I've been viral, I think. Uh, I, I, I don't know if we're quite Kylie Jenner right. level. I don't know if the world of cybersecurity could be that, <laughs> that big. <laughs> maybe maybe just like, yeah, a couple of million. Yeah. Great. yeah. Great stuff. Great stuff. Laura, thanks for being on Client Side. Thank you so much. If you'd like to share any comments on this episode or any episode of Client Side, then find us online at fox.agency. If you'd like to appear on the show, please email millie at fox.agency. The people that make the show possible are Millie Bell and Natasha Rosich, our booker slash researcher. David Clare is our head of content. Ben Fox is our executive producer. I'm Nathan Anibaba. You've been listening to Client Side in Fox Agency. Join us next time on Client Side, brought to you by Fox Agency.